little bit of the word today? All right, come on, jump up on your feet real quick. The, uh, boy, I feel something. I feel good today. I, let me just say that first. I, I feel really, 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 I'm trying to convince you that I feel really good today. I feel really good today. I, I, I've been in this vein talking about modern day heroes. We spent the last three or four weeks in that vein right there. And, uh, and, and so when I'm in that vein, I just keep leaning into it all week, and I just keep praying, just whatever God's saying, I just, I just begin to work it, I just begin to study, I, I prepare, I do all that I can do while I'm in those veins, and then, uh, and then we get to Saturday, of course we had the Harvest Academy graduation, and my spirit was not settled, and I just couldn't, and the way God works with me, I know he works with everybody differently, but the way God works with me, when he's not breathing on something, I know I can't go there. When I don't feel God breathing on it, then I just can't go there. And so I'm just like wrestling all day. Yesterday, I get home about noon after the graduation, and I'm just wrestling in my heart, praying and seeking the Lord. Lord, what are you trying to say? Because everything that I have been studying, everything that I have been preparing for was like dead on the inside of me. And I, and I know, I know that's a sign that God doesn't want me to go in that direction. And so I just, I just keep working and just keep pressing in. And uh, late last night, probably around 11 o'clock, I finally, I think the heavens that were like brass over my life opened up. And God just put a word in my spirit about 11 o'clock last night. And then I woke up this morning and that word was just alive on the inside of me. And, and so, so this, this, I know we got to be quick today because we got baptism. And so I'm going to be really quick. If you can listen quick. I'm going to be really quick today, and we're going to press into this because I believe today, I believe today, today is a day of miracles. That was pretty weak considering the topic right there, but I believe today is the day of miracles. I, I, I really believe that. I, I really believe God wants to push something into the atmosphere of your surroundings today. So, so with all that being said, go with me to John chapter 9. John chapter 9, and I'm going to just... I'm changing it up. I told, I, told, I told Karen a while ago, my wife, I said, I typed out everything as fast as I could this morning. And, and if anybody knows me really, really well, I'm not a fast typer. I like peck at it. But I did it as fast as I could because it's like God was working on me today. And I believe I can get this into the atmosphere of your dwelling. And we're going to see something significant take place right before baptism. Okay, I got three good amens. The rest of y'all are still in a coma. Don't believe God for healing over your life. All right, John chapter 9. John chapter 9, verse number 1. And he, meaning Jesus, passed by, and he saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? And Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Verse number six. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground. And made clay of the spittle, and he applied the clay to his eyes. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, 
which is translated sent. So he went away and he washed and he came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is this not the one who used to sit and beg? And others were saying, this is he. Still others were saying, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, hey, I'm the one. That's me. I'm it. This is it. I'm the man. So, so they were answering or they were saying to him, how then were your eyes open? And he answered, the man who, who was called Jesus made some clay and anointed my eyes. I won't put it this way. He made some clay and he anointed my issues. He anointed my issues. And he said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And I went and I washed and I received my sight. And I want to draw your attention back to verse number six because this is where I got hung up today. When he said this, he spat on the ground and he made the clay of the spittle and he applied the clay or the mud, one translation says the mud, to his eyes. This is what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes. Messy miracles. Messy miracles. Sometimes your miracle is hidden in the mess. Sometimes if you can just look into the mess and realize it ain't all that messy, wrapped up in that mess is a miracle from God. Come on, push on about three people and tell them, I'm about to get a miracle up in here today. Come on, just tell them, I'm about to get a miracle. Come on, I need, I need you to find somebody and say, I'm for real about to get a miracle up in here today. I'm going to get a miracle up in here today. I may look messy, but I'm going to get a miracle out of this mess. Amen. And amen. Let me just pray. Father, we just release the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you today that you're the preacher, you're the teacher, you're the communicator, you're the revelator. Ha. Yes, Lord. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in people's lives. Lord, we thank you for miracles that are going to flow freely and unhindered in this house today. Lord, no matter what issue anybody may have in this building today, there's miracles that are flowing in their direction. So, Father, we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor now. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen and amen and amen and amen. God bless you this morning. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. Let me just begin by going down this this quick track right here just to get us to where we need to be today. Every generation, every generation carries with it a specific purpose and a divine call. Every generation has a specific purpose and a divine call that goes out to all places, at all times, to all people. And wrapped up in that divine call, there is what we call the will of God. There's the will of God. God has a will for every generation and for every person in that generation. In every divine call, you have the will of God for that generation and every person that's living In that generation, there is a divine purpose for every person in that generation. In other words, you were born at the right time. Yes, you were. You were born at the right place. You were born in the right skin color. And you were born with the right gender. 
God didn't make a mistake when he made you. Man may try to make a mistake over you, but God didn't make a mistake when he made you. You were born at the right place at the right time, and you were born in the right skin color, and you were born with the right gender to accomplish the will of God for your life. You are uniquely designed and fashioned by God. You are tailor-made by God himself to fulfill God's will in your life and to your generation. Everybody in this room, under the sound of my voice, has a design purpose and a design plan built by God on the inside of them to fulfill the will of God for your generation. Doesn't matter what your issue is right now, God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. In Acts chapter 13, you find this, this will be on the screen for you, about David. The Bible says, and David served the purposes of God to, to his generation, then he fell asleep. In other words, then he died. Then he went to be with his fathers. David served the generation. David served the purposes of God to his generation. This becomes important to us because we too are called to serve God and to serve God's purpose in our generation. Everybody under the sound of my voice that's listening to me right now, you were designed by God to serve the will of God to your generation before you leave this planet. Before you exit this planet, you were called by God to serve God. What a promise that is. Amen? Aren't you glad that God gives us a promise over our life and we are to serve the will of God for his plan and his purposes before we leave this planet? The enemy may have access to your life, but he don't have access over your life. So the enemy may come in however he wants to come in. The Bible says he's going to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10, he said that's the assignment of the enemy over your life. He's going to come in. He's going to come. He's going to come to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come. I've got an assignment too. I have come that you might have a life and have it more abundantly. Come on, push on somebody and tell them, I'm about to find a miracle in here. Come on, tell them, I'm about to find a miracle in this place. So that means when we understand that we are called to provide. I'm just just working a little bit of foundation, then we're going to get with it. We are called to provide this ongoing, sustainable movement of God in our generation. That's what we're called to do. We're called to provide to our generation the movements of God, meaning that we should have, moving through our life, this ongoing movement unbroken chain of the anointing of the Holy Spirit working through our life and touching a generation that's around us. And that power should be moving from generation to generation. In fact, the Bible says it best, one generation shall praise thy works to the next generation. In other words, in other words, there ought to be a generation that was before us that showed us how to do it, and there ought to be a generation that's coming behind us that we show how to do it. There ought to be some people alive right now that knows how to take the works of God and push it down into the next generation and say, this is how we got here. Look what the Lord has done. Has not God been good to us? So every generation now, about to get to where I'm going, every generation has this flow of faith. Every generation has this power. Every generation should have this prayer life. That got really quiet. Well, we're shouting on power. 
and faith. But when we get to prayer, it's like, hmm. Every generation should have a prayer life. Every, genera- every generation should be a witness of the Holy Spirit. And this is just my take on it because I believe Jesus lived under an open heaven. Jesus was an atmosphere. Jesus was a climate that moved in the earth. And everywhere Jesus went, miracles, signs, and wonders began to happen. I just believe that that's the way we ought to be living. Huh? So I believe that as, as, as Jesus was, so are we. So, so I, I believe we ought to be a generation in revival. Come on, talk to me up in here. I believe, I believe we ought to be a generation where there's healing, where there's deliverance, where there's breakthrough, where there's signs, where there's wonders, where it's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where we begin to defy the things that the enemy thought that he could hold us up with, but God steps in the middle of it because he's anointed our issue with something more powerful than what the enemy could put on us. So miracles, miracles can happen. Now, now this, is, this is how I wrote it down. This will be on the screen for you. So, so, so what God has done and what God is doing is always bigger than any one generation. Amen. What God has done and what God is doing, it's always bigger than any one generation. So I, I'm putting it in, in, in the context of this because I want to frame where I want, what I want to say to you so we can release miracles over your life. Faith, then, is not built on what we have done, but it's built on what God has done. And it's built on what God has said. Therefore, all the faith is built on the concept of a promise. So, so when you read the Bible and you find that, that, that it's a book of promises, and when you read the Bible, you find out how faithful God is to his promises. In fact, Deuteronomy 7, 9 says that he is a covenant-keeping God. God is faithful. He's faithful to keep his covenant. He's faithful to keep his promises over your life because he's a covenant-keeping God. So when you read the Bible, the Bible is a book of promises. I like to say it this way. It's a book of seeds. The Bible is a bag of seeds. And every seed has within itself its own power to its own fulfillment. I just read something not too long ago. Some, some, I think it was like 2,500, 3,000 years ago. They pulled some seeds out of the pyramids of Egypt. And they planted them. And they still grew. Because wrapped up in every seed is the power to its own fulfillment. And when you read Luke 8, 11, Jesus said, Jesus said that the seed is the word of God. There are over, there's a total of 40 verses in the New Testament with the Greek word sperma, which literally means seed. That's what the word sperma means. It's the word seed. That's what the word seed means in the Greek. It's the word sperma. It, it's, it's the word where we get our word sperm. Watch. So to conceive and to give birth to a miracle, you need, (laughs) you first have to be impregnated with the seed. You got to get the seed of God's word in your heart if you're going to give birth to a promise. It's hard 
to be pregnant and to give birth. Let me, let me back. That's, not a bad, that's a bad way to say it. It's hard to give birth if you're not pregnant. There's only been one virgin birth. You ain't going to be the next. So you have to get the word of God in your heart. Your heart is the seedbed. So if there's no word in your heart, then it's hard to give birth to the promises of God. And the Bible says that the promises of God, they are yes and amen. I mean, so be it. In other words, God is not dangling carrots over you and saying, boy, I hope they get it. Boy, I hope they make it. Boy, I hope they get their breakthrough. Boy, I hope they get their healing. Can't find no help in this Catholic church right now. I hope they get their, I hope they get their miracle. No, no. If it's in the Word, this is my problem. If I can find it in the Word, then the devil's going to have a hard time talking me out of it. If God said I'm blessed, the devil's going to have a hard time convincing me that I'm not blessed. If God said I'm healed, then the devil's going to have a hard time convincing me that I'm not the healed of the Lord. But you got to be you got to be pregnant with God's word. That means there's homework assignment to your life. <laughs> that means you just can't come to church and hear the word. You got to be in the word every day. Cuz how many know that the enemy don't just attack you on Sundays? He might jump on you on Tuesday. And you better have some activity in your heart with the Word of God so that you can counteract whatever He is doing in your life. And, and the way you do that, because every word from God is superior. Everything Satan does is superior. I mean, inferior. Did I mess that up? Okay. Every word from God is superior. Everything the devil does to you is inferior. So when he comes, and his, the Bible says that he's the father of lies. He's Beelzebub. He's the father of lies. So if the devil's talking to you, the first thing you need to find out is if there's any truth to it. If God's talking to you, it ain't nothing but truth. So I don't know. That's why the Bible says, whose report are you going to believe? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been extended to? The arm of the Lord has not been extended to the devil and his power and his imps. The arm of the Lord has been extended to the people of God who can believe the word of God over every circumstance, over every situation, over every trial, over everything that the enemy wants to put against you. When you get the word of God in your heart, you cannot be talked out of a miracle. Ah. When you get the word of God moving in your heart, it don't matter what life throws at you. It don't matter what your boss throws at you. It don't matter what your checkbook says about your life. When you get the word of God in your heart, it's like seed. And one day, that seed is going to give birth to what you've been carrying. Tell somebody it's a messy miracle now. It's a messy miracle. About to get there. It's a messy miracle. So, every promise from God... It's not built on anything that we have done. It's built on everything that he has done, right? So his promise to us is not based on what we can produce, but on the fact that he's faithful to himself. Man. And, and, and all of what we receive from God is based on the concept of the promises of God. God gives us a promise. Now watch this. And it takes faith to prove it. Because there's, if God, many times when God gives us a promise or we read about a promise, 
Many times there's no evidence of that promise. So it takes faith to work the promises of God. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, For without faith it's impossible. No, that's Hebrews 11.6, For without faith it's impossible to please God. Right? Hebrews 11.1 1 says faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things that are not yet seen. Just because I can't see it don't mean it's not there. Just because it's not manifested in my life right now doesn't mean that God's not working it. Because, and it, and it has nothing to do with me because I can't do nothing about it anyhow. If God said it, all I can do is produce it. All I can do is manifest it. All I can do is give birth to it. So when you don't, when, when you don't have any evidence of the promise, but you believe that he is, He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is. Then your faith connects you to the promise because you believe that he can do it. Huh? So the promise is only as good as the one who promised it. You're going to catch me in a moment. Even when I don't understand the promise. I can still have access to the promise through faith based on the one who made the promise. If I made the promise, you could question it. But if God makes the promise, he's a covenant-keeping God. If I made the promise, I may back out of it. But if God made the promise, he's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of a man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he will bring it to pass. So, so the promise is always based on the one who can supply it. So I don't get hung up on what happens and what doesn't happen. I just keep my faith in line with the principles of the word of God. And I just keep working that seed inside my heart. And I just keep saying back to the devil, devil, you a liar. If God be for me, what in the world could ever be against me? And you just got to work it. You just got to work it. You got you to work the word of God. So what happens is now that 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 I, by faith I believe the promise even when there's no understanding of it because God is faithful not because he's faithful to us but he's faithful to himself because if he wasn't faithful to us what could you do about it anyway <laughs> huh he, he's going to be faithful to us, but that ain't the reason why the promise is there. The promise is there because God's going to be faithful to himself. Look at this scripture in Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. In other words, God says, I swear to myself. You hear people say, well, I swear to God. You ever heard somebody say that? Well, I swear to God. Well, God said, I ain't got nobody to swear to greater than me, so I just swear to myself. There ain't nobody above me. There ain't nobody that's equal to me. So I'm going to make this promise to Abraham based on me swearing to myself. So he swore to himself saying, surely blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. Now, all Abraham had to do to manifest that word was, was to believe it. And then to work it. 
So he's kicking out babies at 100 years old, and his wife Sarah's 90. Glory to God. I saw all the women just take a breath. Can you imagine? Some of you act like y'all can't imagine it. The Bible says in Romans, Abraham was 75 when he got that promise from God. He waited 25 years to its fulfillment. The Bible says, and he did not waver in unbelief, but he kept giving glory to God because he knew who promised was faithful to complete it. Woo. So how do, you, how, how do you manifest a miracle when it's not happening? You just keep giving glory to God. You just keep reminding God of what he said. I didn't make the promise. I can't perform the promise, but God can do it. So all I got to do is stay in agreement with the sperma, the seed, the word that's been implanted into my heart, and I just stay in agreement with it. 1 Kings 8, 56, these scriptures you can write down if you want to. It says, there has not failed one word of his good, all of his good promises. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness. Luke 24, 49 says, behold, I send the promise. This is Jesus talking, the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in Jerusalem until you've been endued with some power from on high. Watch this now. So the evidence, the evidence of that salvation that Jesus paid for becomes the resurrection. Okay? The evidence that Jesus now is seated at the right hand of the Father is the manifestation or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus made it to the Father because we had the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. If there wasn't in Acts chapter 2, then Jesus hadn't made it to the Father. But the fact that Jesus said, I'm going to go to the Father, and I'm going to send to you the Comforter, the Paracletos, the one that's called along beside to help you, to enable you, to assist you, and to endue you with power. And the fact that we know Jesus made it there, because in Acts chapter 2, there was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and it fell on all flesh, and they all began to prophesy. They all begin to speak in tongues. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what the modern day church in America needs? We need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God over our lives. So we quit playing church. We quit, we quit plucking our little religious calisthenic card. We quit, we quit going through the motions of what we call church. But there is an evidence of that power that's resident on the inside of us. So when I walk into the supermarket, if somebody needs healing, I can lay hands on them and watch them recover. I can be in the middle of my home and my children can be acting crazy. I can claim power over my children. I can exercise my authority because I have been endued with power. The fact that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father he has promised me that I would have some power on this planet. So we have no excuse to walk around and act like we're about to lose everything. Where in my book, I believe the church is about to regain everything. I believe the church is on a comeback mission. I believe the enemy is shaking. That's why all the disruption is going on in the planet. Hell knows. In fact, Revelation says the devil knows that his time is short. He knows it. That's why the church has to begin to rise and understand that this was for us. So there's the coming and the moving of the Spirit. The coming and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which was not the idea of man. 
It was not the imagination of preachers, but it was the plan of God that his spirit would be poured out on all flesh to validate his promises. Acts 2.39 says, This promise is to you and to your children and to all those who are far off, as many as the Lord thy God would call. So I'm trying to say, that's what I'm saying. This is a generational God. If you think the move of God's going to die in me, you're missing it somewhere. Because I'm not going to let the move of God die in me. I'm going to make sure the next generation has some power. The next generation understands there's a prayer, there's an anointing, there's an increase of signs and wonders. Got to make sure, got to make sure that the next generation don't have to wonder what miracles are. Hallelujah. So let me just get to where I'm going here because we're out of time, really, really out of time. How fast can y'all get baptized? Can we fit everybody at one time? <laughs> we call it a mass baptism. It's interesting to me that, that when you study or you just look at the nature of God, you find out that God is immutable. He's immutable, meaning he doesn't change. Hebrews 13.8 says he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Here's the way I like to say it. God is consistently consistent. Consistently consistent. If he was a way maker, then he is a way maker. And he will be a way maker. God not only is immutable, watch this, but he's unpredictable. He's immutable, meaning he changes not, but he's also unpredictable. And even though you can't find any inconsistencies with his character and his nature, there's always unpredictability in his activity. Always unpredictability in his activity. Meaning, God will do a thing in another way, just to let you know you can't put him in a box. God will take the person you, you love the least and bless them the most just to show you you can't do what I want to do when I want to do it and you can't stop me from it. That's why David said, why does the heathen rage? Why are they so blessed all the time? God's just letting you know that when I do a thing, I do a thing not because of anything you could do to help me or stop me. I do it because I'm a covenant-keeping God to myself. Mm. This will be on the screen. So you can predict who he will always be, but you can't always predict how he will do it. Because God is full of surprises. 
He's Jehovah Jireh, and he's Jehovah Sneaky. He'll pull one over you. He's immutable, and he's unpredictable. And just when you didn't think there was any way left for God to do a thing in your life, he shows up and he makes a way where there seems to be no way. You can be standing on the last half hour of your doctor's report and God can still walk in the middle of that situation. He can look at that issue. He says, I'm going to make this mess a miracle. I'm going to turn what the devil meant for harm and I'm going to bring some good out of it. Because whatever God has started in your life, hell may have access to your life, but it don't have access over your life. Unless, of course, you make crazy decisions. Then you give the enemy ammunition to work with. Right? All right, so I was thinking about this, and then we're going to close right here. Sometimes God allows us to go through certain things, certain trials, not to always teach us things or to help us to learn some things. I believe sometimes God allows us to go through the trials to teach the trials that you can only take it so far because God is the one who has set my boundaries. To teach the trials, teach the devil, if you want to say it that way, teach the trials, you came against me, but you couldn't take me out. When, when Noah went into the flood, it wasn't so that Noah could learn about water and flood and boundaries. It was God teaching the flood, there are some folks you can't kill. When the Hebrew boys went into the fiery furnace, it wouldn't teach them about the elements of fire. It was speaking back to the fire. There are some people you can't burn. There are just some people you can't get the upper hand on. When Daniel went into the lions, then it wouldn't teach them about lions and how they activate and how they learn how to feed. He was letting the lions know there are some people you can't devour. You can throw them in the middle of a lion's den, and they're going to come out better than they were when they went in it. Because God knows how to put a locked jaw on a hungry dinner lions. Joseph, when he went into the prison, when he went into the prison, it wasn't God trying to teach him how prison life it how prison life was. He was letting the prison know there's some people you can't hold down. There's some people that the further you push them down, the higher they pop back up. There's some people that has a plan. There's some people that's got a purpose. There's some people that has a heart that's been pregnated with the word of God. And it don't matter what you do to them, they spring right back. And they begin to put it right back into the enemy's camp. Push on somebody and tell them it might be messy, but there's a miracle in there. It might be messy, but there's a miracle in there. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Hallelujah. So, so as it relates to the kingdom of God, we understand that the kingdom of God, in essence, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of faith. Therefore, our approach to God comes through faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. In fact, the Bible says anything that you do not in faith is a sin. So our lifestyle is not faith on Sundays. 
and worrying about how we're going to fall apart the rest of the week. See, if you're worrying, it's evidence that you believe something inferior. We don't have to take a poll in here, but if all you can do is get up and jump on your anxiety medicine, it's a sign, it's a sign that you are rehearsing more about what might happen than what God has said has already happened. Yeah? So the devil says you ain't going to make it. Well, you ought to believe the opposite. I guess I'm going to make it. If the devil said I wouldn't, I must believe that I am. Because there's two worlds now. Watch this now. Two worlds. You've got a natural world and a spiritual world. Many times, most people don't know how to access the spiritual world because to them, at best, it's a place of random acts. It's a place of happenstance. Like, well, I hope it works. <laughs> like, cross my finger. Well, maybe it'll work. You ever prayed? Don't, you don't have to raise your hand. Just hold, hold it in. You ever prayed? So for somebody say, Lord, I hope it works. You ever had that in the back of your head? Some of y'all are way too spiritual for me. Lord, I hope it works. Or you walk away from praying for somebody and you walk, man, I hope that works. Ah, Lee, I hope that works. So it's just random, like, well, maybe God will do it, maybe he won't do it. Well, here's the truth. God's already done it. So we have to align, we have to give access to the promise and not to the evidence. Okay, let me just say it another way. When you just see it as acts of random or happenstance, then what you do is you start seeing that realm, God's realm. You see it as a place that you cannot access on purpose because at best it's random. And most of the time, we think or we just stumble onto it rather than accessing it. God don't want us to stumble into anything. He wants us to access everything. So in the natural world, the natural world that we live in, we have natural laws. There's natural laws in the earth. And and since we live in the earth, there is a limitation to these natural laws in the earth. And, and, and we can live by those natural laws with some sense of predictability. But the problem is in the realm of the spirit, God's unpredictable. And we're trying to take what's predictable in the natural and push it over into the realm of the spirit where it's unpredictable. Not in the fact of God coming through, but how he does a thing. Okay, so, so we have natural laws. We have like laws of gravity, right? We have laws of mathematics. We have laws of physics, laws of motion. These laws give us some sense of predictability. The spirit has some laws as well. They're just different, right? So we access the realm of the spirit through our faith. It's through our revelation. 
Because we have to understand God's not bound by anything because he's the creator of everything. So God cannot be bound by anything even though we have limitations around us. God can put you on a planet bound by gravity, but he's not bound by the gravity he created. You're going to catch me. God, God, is, God is not bound by time. He's not bound by daytime, nighttime, or any time. God's not bound by the boundaries that have been set in place in the physical world. He's not bound by time because he lives outside of time. And he created you in time. And he created you on time. And then he gave you a lifetime. Then he reached back into that lifetime, pulled redemption out of you for all time. You're going to catch me. You're going to catch me. So what I'm trying to say is because there are laws in the universe that work against us or even for us at times, we regulate the realm of the spirit to what we know in the natural. So when God comes in to do a thing, he can always step into it and he can always intervene our time and make it his time. Joshua chapter 10, when Joshua and the five Amalekites came against Israel, here Joshua was in the valley fighting against five different kings. And Joshua was running out of time. He was running out of time. He was running out of time. Somebody in here feels like you're running out of time. You need God to do it now. But God don't live in time. God is eternal, but he can step in time and fix it at any time. So Joshua is in this valley with all these kings that are coming against him. And, he, and, he, and, he, and, and God is throwing hailstones against his enemy. God, Joshua thought, oh, I'll just fight him with a sword. And that's all right, Joshua. You do what you can do, but I'm going to do what you can't do. I'm going to rain hailstorms down from above, and I'm going to bust them upside the head. And if that's not enough, Joshua, here it is, Joshua. Here's Joshua's prayer. He said, Lord, all of our enemies are not dead yet, and we're about to run out of time. So he steps into another dimension. Hear me. He steps into another dimension. He steps out of the realm of time as we know it. And he prays a crazy prayer. He begins to pull on God from another dimension. And he begins to say to God, God, let the sun stand still. Let the moon be arrested until we can avenge ourselves of the enemies. And you know what? God did one of the most ridiculous, crazy things ever known to mankind. He arrested the solar system. Because God is not bound by time. He says, I'll stop the moon for a day and I'll hold the, the sun up until you can avenge yourselves. The disciples have a big party going on trying to feed everybody. There's 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Most theologians say there's probably 20,000 people on that hillside. Here you have the disciples saying, Lord, all we got is five loaves of bread and two fishes. <laughs> two sardines. That's all we got. But you know what? God's not bound by the laws of mathematics. 
And all they had to do was offer it back up to God and watch God bless it. You know what? Everybody got a meal that day with 12 baskets left over because God is never bound by what we call mathematics. God's not bound by your equations. So let me just put it to you this way. It's supernaturally natural. This will be on the screen. It's supernaturally natural for me to believe that God is able. Think about that. That's why it's called the working of miracles. Somebody has to do something. It's not the happening of miracles. Jesus said it's the working of miracles. It's the working of miracles. Somebody has to do something with their faith. Somebody has to get access to a realm that's beyond the realm that you see every day. Somebody, come on, David, has to throw a rock at a giant. Somebody, Samson, has to swing the jawbone of a donkey. Come on, Rahab, somebody's got to tie a red rope in the window and let the spies out. Come on, Joshua, somebody's got to march around Jericho and then shout on the seventh day and watch the walls fall. It's the working of miracles. Somebody's got to work it. It's touching the hem of his garment. Come on, woman, with the issue of blood. Take a risk. Get out of your house. Risk being stoned by the elders of the village because they considered you unclean. But get out anyway. Somebody has to get out of the boat. Walk on some water. Somebody has to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Let me give you this right here. The lie of the enemy, this will be on the screen. The lie of the enemy is that he keeps telling the church that we have to sit around and wait until something happens when we have the power to access a realm where it's already happened. Quit waiting on God to do something and start working that word. That's why right here, New Harvest Church, we believe this. Several, there's a handful of us that have been here from the very beginning. I refuse to have a normal service. I refuse to walk up in here with a canned ser- a sermon. I've been, I've been pastoring now full-time, Karen, I have here for 20 years. I've never preached a sermon that was canned. Never preached a canned sermon. Every sermon that I have preached was birthed out of the heavens in my own heart. Because I don't believe there's no such thing as a down day. I believe when the saints of God gather, there ought to be an explosion of expectancy. When we gather, when we come in from wrestling devils and demons and doctrines of devils out there in the world, and we get a chance to gather together for one day a week, and we just come in here and we get to rub shoulders, iron begins to sharpen iron. We get to walk around with other brothers and sisters, and we have some encouragement in the Lord because now we're not just dealing with devils all day. We get to walk up in here. I don't believe it ought to be flat. 
I don't believe it ought to be stale. I don't believe it ought to be, well, we just hope we get a good atmosphere. No, you make the atmosphere. You create the atmosphere you want. You create it with your praise. You create it with your expectation. You create it with your prayer. Atmospheres can be influenced. And you come in here long enough with that kind of expectation, the atmosphere becomes climate. Climate is predictable. Climate is sustainable. So we begin to create an atmosphere. Come on, look at somebody say, it's an atmosphere of miracles now. Come on, tell them. It's an atmosphere of miracles. No matter what you're believing for, we believe God can do it. We believe that he's able. So in our text, Jesus comes to this guy. Because this is the way I, I preface it. And I, I've, said, I've used this before, but this is, what, this is how it came up in my spirit. I'm not just believing God for what I had, but I'm believing God for what I never had. It's a different level of living. I'm not just believing God for what I have, but I'm believing God for what I never had. So Jesus, in our text, he comes to this guy, and he spits on the ground because the guy's blind. Why didn't he just wipe the blindness out of his eyes? Because he's unpredictable. Because if he'd have done that, the church would have built a doctrine. This is how you get blind people healed. <laughs> so Jesus said, well, I just going Spit on the ground, make a little mud. Now, I'm not recommending that, but you ought to be led. Jesus said, I couldn't do anything unless I saw my father do it. So whatever Jesus did, it's only because the father gave him permission. Yeah? So he spit into the dirt, the ground, the clay, and he made some mud. Based on scientific evidence and research as we know it today, in our saliva, our spit, is our DNA. Jesus didn't put his DNA on the man's eyes. He put his DNA in the dirt, the very substance that man was made out of. And Jesus was imparting divine DNA to the human defect in order to bring supernatural transformation to that man's humanity. Because watch this. It's not just about you being healed. It's about you being transformed. It's not about you getting your little goosebump of healing. But it's about you walking out of here knowing there's been a DNA transfer that's got into the seabed of my life. Ah. And, 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 and what, where we are as a church, listen, Jesus looks at a bunch of crazy religious people and says, all y'all want is signs and wonders. That's, that's all you want. You just want, give me a sign. Give me a sign. That, that's where the church is sometimes in America. We just want God to perform a trick. We just want God to give us a trick, and then we'll believe it. God says, no, I'm going to take it further than the trick. I'm going to take it down into the level of your life. I'm going to put it down into the DNA of who you are, and I'm going to bring transformation from the inside out. Yeah. So in other words, this is what I'm trying to say to us. Jesus went to the root of the problem. He didn't merely just treat the symptoms. He went to the root. He went to the source so the man could be set free. That's what God wants to do in your life today. Man, I feel healing.
I feel breakthrough. I feel like God wants to release something over people's lives today. I feel like there, 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 there's this, this, this movement. I, I, I didn't even really know how to title it because I just, I just, the word messy just kept coming up because there are many people in here that are in a mess. But I'm not discouraged by the mess because if the DNA of God can hit my mess, it'll fix every issue in my life, but more importantly, it'll bring transformation to my life. Come on, if you believe that, jump up on your feet and give God a praise real quick. Come on, just give him a praise real quick if you believe that. Yeah. Oh, man, I got more to say, but I got to quit. Oh, my Lord. It's one thing when God restores something that you had or that you lost. Nothing wrong with that. Praise God for that. He's a God of restoration. He gives it back. The woman with the issue of blood was whole, but then she got sick, and Jesus restored back to wholeness. John 11, Lazarus had life, but then he died, but Jesus gave him life again. He restored it. Luke 7, the widow's son had life, but he died, but Jesus brought him back to life. The woman in the temple was bent over with a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. At one point, she walked straight up, but now she's been stricken. And Jesus restored back to back her life, back to what she had. Praise God, and God can bring restoration to your life. But what about those things in your life that you've never had, but you're believing God for? He can provide the miracle. And I know we got to go. We about to. If, if you're getting baptized, if you want to, you can just get ready. We're gonna we're gonna jump in here and jump in the tank. We're gonna have this is gonna be a good time. The next ten minutes is gonna be like crazy good. I'm 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 I'm, I'm really I'm this 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 I, I I'm t- I could run around this building right now, at least halfway. I'm telling you, I'm I'm so excited because I, I heard in my spirit, and and and. The guys that know me best know I'm not going to get up here and just preach something just to make somebody feel good. Every time we gather, I believe we can create an atmosphere where the power of God can manifest. And if there's no faith, then I bring my own faith. I'm not relying on anybody. I'm not relying on anybody to hook up with my faith. If you don't have no faith, I'm going to make sure my faith is standing in the gap for your faith. And I believe today, I believe today there's miracles. I believe there's breakthrough in people's lives that's about to come over your life today. I believe that with all my, I'm telling you, it's it's the working of miracles. How many would just say with me right now, preacher, I need something in my life beyond what I can fix. Throw your hand up right where you are. Come on, just look at the hands going up. Just I need it right here and right now. It's beyond my ability to make it happen. I'm believing God right now. Now, we're going to take about about a six or seven minute prayer right here, and we're going to release an anointing an anointing right over your life while people are getting ready to be baptized we're going to release this anointing and watch this it's going to be the beginning of the transfer of the DNA of God because when when Jesus spit into that ground and he made the mud he wiped the mud in the man's eyes and then he told the man now you go and you wash yourself clean when we pray today it's like Jesus Putting the mud 
over your issue. And by the time you walk out of this building, don't lose your healing. Don't lose your breakthrough. Don't lose your miracle because it's in motion. It's happening even as we speak. I'm telling you, I fought devils for you last night. I prayed for you hard this morning because I was standing in the gap. I wasn't just trying to get the church and get it done. I heard from God, and God says, I want to break it through. I want this to be the day where signs and wonders, where there's a climate, there's an atmosphere where the power of God can be released. Many of you raised your hand if you're ready for that prayer. Come on, just run up here right fast, and let's pray together. Come on, just run up here. Come on, let's, do it. let's, let's make this prayer. Let's make this prayer. Come on, you're coming in a humble heart. You're coming in in spirit now because you believe it. You believe it to be true. Every problem. 